Here we are again, another episode. This life ain't for everybody. Thank you all so much for the downloads and subscriptions. Thank you to all of our partners and sponsors in this episode of the This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast is brought to you by our friends at Pandola Training. You've heard us talk about Pandola Training, Pandola Fitness, the Pandola Approach, the Pandola Mindset. Things have just gotten off the chain over there and there's a lot of big things coming out of the camp. I'm so proud to be associated with Matt and Aaron, the entire crew, the gym, is literally keeps me going because when I don't have it, I'm depressed. When I don't have it, I'm sluggish. When I don't have it, I feel tight. When I don't have it, I feel tired, like no energy all the time. As soon as I step back foot in that place, step foot back in that place, it's like rejuvenation. It's like a rebirth. It's like a baptism. That's how I think of working out. That's how I think of fitness. That's how I think of mindset, mental approach, making a better version of ourselves daily. So if you think about what we're supposed to do when our feet hit the ground, when we roll our little butts or big butts out of bed, it's to make a better version of ourselves. That's exactly what the Pendola Fitness, Pendola Training, Pendola Mindset does for myself and many people across the country. Today's guest is the owner, the founder of Pendola. P-E-N-D-O-L-A. They have so much stuff going online now. They have so much, so many things going on with world-class athletes. And I'm talking triathlons, Iron Man, Iron Woman, Olympians, you name it. Matt and Aaron are working on it. A lot of positivity, optimism coming out of that brick and mortar building that has become so much more than brick and mortar. Matt, welcome back. Wow. I, I don't know if I should even say anything. I, I think I would just mess it up. It was such a nice intro. That was how it was supposed to be done? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm impressed about me and I'm me. I, th- I think I'm just going to just walk away and <laughs> That's say That's a good thank way to you. put it. <laughs> hey, I started thinking, um, well, I meant all that because I'm telling you, like, it's been a weird year. 2020 was weird. Okay. There was times, I'm glad you're here because there was times where people weren't even allowed to go in a gym. It was mandated to shut gyms down, right? Or like our friend Kelly Parati, jiu-jitsu. They were even shut down longer than just an actual gym because of the the human contact rolling around on a jiu-jitsu mat. Livelihoods lost. Revenue streams lost. It's affected everybody. It's affected a guy like you because of revenue. Not that it's going to hurt you, but any of, it's, of course it's going to affect in some way with budgets, expenses, payroll, whatever it is. Then on top of that, it affects a guy like me or Stoke or Les or your other clients because we're so used to that part of our lifestyle. And when it's snatched away from you, you can tell yourself till you're blue in the face that you're disciplined and motivated enough to do it on your own. Well, the first thing that Stoker said to me yesterday, and this is a very successful human being, he said, I'm the laziest person I've ever met in my life. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I couldn't do anything on my own. He goes, I know all these exercises like the back of my hand, but the motivation's not there when I don't get to come in here. That's pretty awesome, you know, but is it awesome that a guy can't, is it like the way you've brainwashed us that we can't do it on our own? So here I am 15 years later, still paying Matt and Aaron to show me exercises. It's not to show me how to exercise per se, but it's like that motivation factor. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of things there to, uh, to unpack and one of them If you do a little bit better with a group, you know, that's part of your culture. That's part of your experience, your why, your process. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes we might do some things on our own and we look forward to that. It might be drawing or playing a guitar or going even for a hike or something. But there's there's definitely, I think when it comes to the gym and the atmosphere, looking forward to doing these things with other people, it's not really about having the trainer count reps for you or anything like that. It's, it's more about the atmosphere. And we just, I think we have been very fortunate to have the right people coming to the facility and you guys, I think you guys would be fine without Aaron and I, you just come in together, the three of you. And uh, see, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I think that what we felt yesterday again was the confidence in you and Aaron of what we were doing because Aaron wrote me a program last Thursday and I was in there. You were in there for part of it. Yeah. It's just not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. You don't expect the same out of yourself. You tend to take longer breaks. Um, you don't, it's not that you guys babysit us, but when that clock goes off, Aaron's not sitting there going, Oh yeah, just stay sitting over there with your hands on your knees, Chad. She's like, let's go. And she pushes you, right. Or you push us. And I think that having that brings me back to my days of being coached and wanting, wanting to have that mentor or that leadership in there because doing it on my own, I'll find an excuse to sit on my email for five extra minutes with that and then go do another exercise. Well, that can be okay because I'm still doing the exercise, but my recovery is a lot different because my heart rate's got a chance to come down. So I'm really not pushing my body the way that Aaron did it yesterday in a format of, I will get back to where I was sooner with her or you than without you guys, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, in all seriousness, I, I think that myself, I've experienced that with one of the business partners that I have. He trains with me now, and you know him, Chad Sweet. And for, for a long time during the COVID year, I was just training on my own, obviously. And I, I, I certainly lost some motivation to train as hard, to, to really work on a progression, to, to work on progressive overloads. It's, it's hard to do by yourself. It's more fun to challenge yourself with the person that you're compatible with there and to say, hey, you know, you kind of give each other a little bit of uh, fuss back and forth, right? And you give each other a hard time. But in, and we have fun with that and saying, hey, man, you know, the, the man waits over here, you know, and, and, uh, and, that's, and that's fun. And we also kind of push each other a little bit more and that, that banter helps. But certainly I can say that I was for a long time putting – prioritizing the athletes I get to serve here, but they're online now, they're, you know, Zoom calls and, and a different priority and a different way of, of creating some, um, some business. And I wasn't used to being out on the floor as much anymore. And it became harder and harder for me to actually find the time to do the training myself. And so we can talk about this a little bit, but, but we did kind of push a different business model this year because otherwise I think we would have been closing up. I mean, brick and mortar, very tough to just survive on that. So what kind of happened to me was I was now all of a sudden really focused on making online programming. I keep threatening to finish this book for, you know, Foul Life Fitness. And, and of course, I want to still get to that. But I realize at a certain point that if I don't get all these programs online, if I don't get videos 
to where not only the clients that normally come into Pandola, but you know other places as well, we, we're going to end up having a tough time surviving. So that became the priority. And now with the Olympic year, I'm much far, far busier in a great way than I thought I would be. And i um, happy to say I have five Olympians, five athletes that, uh, that will be competing this year. And that kind of, that built up pretty quickly as well. So before I knew it, just finding 30 minutes to do uh, strength training went by the wayside. I'd say all of January and um, most of December, November, 100 hour weeks every week. So it's really hard um, with those kind of work weeks to find the time and making that commitment's important. So I think we all need that. And I found that through the business manager that I have, Chad Sweet, and and you have that with your group. So it's important, guys, to have, I think, um, a good culture around you and people will help to keep you accountable. Nothing wrong with that. And, and I think that's a, a normal part of the process. I want to come back to the Olympian part, but when you come off of a duck season like I have, you've said it before on the podcast that in the last couple of years, it wasn't like it had been in the past with me because I had stayed more in tune with coming to the gym on my off time, staying in the group workouts and not just saying, Hey, I'm going on the road for 60 days. I mean, I stayed in better shape throughout it, making it a lot easier to come back at the end. This year was different because there wasn't an ability to, an opportunity to go to the gym for a lot of duck season. Plus, it was a different kind of year with COVID, so I had to work extra hard. It was a slow migration. The weather was too warm. None of that, and I could come up with all the excuses in the book, but it, it wasn't the same as it was the last two years of Christmas time and the, uh, the week before Christmas and the week after that I'm hitting the gym with you guys hard and getting good workouts in. When you start talking about getting back into shape, I want to go. I want to start with getting back into shape for a guy like me that that stayed in pretty good shape the last 10 years or so, but then really got in good shape the last two years and then fell off a little bit this last four months. What is a normal amount of time? And here's, I want you to set it up with this. I want to set it up with this is that here's what I've done. I've I got a bike, a mountain bike and the stationary bike that you graciously gave me. And I'm staying on the, 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 the focus of either a walk or a ride to loosen up and just burn calories without going, a, you know, real heavy cardio on my off days. I've quit drinking a hundred percent for the entire month of March, starting on February 28th. I'm not going to have one sip of alcohol or beer. I don't know how long, but at least until April 1st, I'm not going to have one. So I'm going to be dry this entire month of getting back into it. And I'm back on my regular workout routine of two days a week with your guys' supervision. And then the workouts that I do on my own, you know, what, what, whatever that might be. How long should it take with those being set in place? Yeah. So first I would say if you have been training a while and you take a week off, you, you might actually get into better shape in a way because you're tapering, right? You, your body has some time off and you come back even stronger. Sometimes it's better to say train hard for two, three months and then have a week off when you know you're going on vacation and then you come back and you're stronger than ever. You take two weeks off and you know that's you're not really losing much at all. I'd say uh, even at the three week mark, you're you're pretty much breaking even there if you've been training a while. 
But after that, you start to have some uh, pretty depreciating returns and you start to lose fitness pretty quickly, I'd say, after 20 days or so. So that's where you want to look at, well, how long has it been relative to my gym age? So if, if I've been training consistently for, for 10 years, sure, you're going to lose relative to you. You're going to lose some decent fitness by weeks four, five, and six. And for us, we're talking about four months. Hey, buddy, I was in the same boat. Honestly, I just mentioned that what kind of happened was I was trying to build an online business and then the gym opens back up for a while, right? So now we have clients like yourself that want to get back in. And sure, you know, we want to do that. And the first time around I did that, man, I just about, I, I, I just, uh, I just about cracked. I mean, it was... It, it it made it so that I was, uh, I think I put in 112 hours one week. I, you know, it, it's not a contest, but that's, <laughs> that's a lot of hours. Um, and I'm sitting there writing in at the end of each week, uh, how much I have to still get done and realizing there's no way I can ever catch up. So the training, as much as I love it, I stopped running, I stopped strength training, I stopped doing these things. So I admit I stopped doing it. And it was probably about a good few months for me, uh, actually about four months like yourself, that I really got in very little. So I can speak from per per personal experience here that the first week, man, just going through the motions again was so hard, right? I, I imagine, I know I gave you protocol for your back. And you were really good about doing it every day. But I know that um, creating that habit again, man, it really allowed me to sympathize with clients that I've worked with in the past because realizing that it was something that is very hard to adjust to again. And it didn't come that naturally to just do it every day. And I had to plan it in to my schedule. And then even then, sometimes I'm like, man, I didn't do it. And so that that was the toughest part. I would say it it took me about two weeks to just start getting something done every day for 20 minutes or so. And I'm just talking 20, 30 minutes. So I made a little, and this is, if you guys are struggling out there with this, it's a little suggestion to me or, or from me, not to me. I, I guess I gave the suggestion to myself and I did it, but 20 to 30 minutes every day, I need to do something. Now, it can be something as simple as walking, it can be protocol, it can be a combination of those things, it can be some push-ups, it can be, but 20 to 30 minutes every day in that zone, and that's it. So I'm not overcommitted, I'm not feeling overwhelmed, and I can do it. And there were some days that I missed, believe it or not, just 20, 30 minutes, but I still got in four or five days out of the week. And I would say after about two weeks, by the third week, I was hitting every day. So now it's becoming more of a habit. And then I would say at about the six-week mark is when I started to feel like my strength was coming back. Um, and when I say six weeks, I mean... That's right about now, actually. <laughs> so really, I'd say this, this last week or so, I'm pretty happy with my numbers again, where I'm at um, with both conditioning and strength. So it takes a while. And I would say that in a guy like you, you'd be similar to me, where I think you'd have to spend a good six weeks or so 
coming back and but really looking at consistency. Are you consistent in the first couple few weeks? And you're probably not going to be as consistent as you'd like to be. Give yourself permission to have some fails there. Just trying to be a better version and saying, okay, I can do this better. I didn't do it today, but I'm going to have an open mindset tomorrow. I'll get it done. And I'm not going to give up on the whole week, right? My daughter was just, my daughter was just talking to me about this, like New Year's resolutions, right? Daddy, did you do a New Year's resolution? No, honey, I don't believe in them. Why not? Well, because that lasts for 10 to 14 days if people make a resolution usually, and then it's, it's over, right? And then they just wait until the next year to do it again. So I just say, you know what? I didn't get it done today. My resolution is to do it tomorrow. Now I'm going to get it done tomorrow. And that becomes a priority to me, right? So just keep, keep at it and don't give up and get that consistency. Habits are your best friend or your worst enemy. So you have to decide which way you're going to go with your habit. So the habit of alcohol intake of during duck season of having a cold beer six days a week, two or three cold beers six days a week after the hunt, celebrate dinner, cooking, grilling, Traeger, wild game, not eating real bad. Don't eat a lot of sweets. Don't eat ice cream. Don't eat desserts. Don't eat a lot of starches. If there's a big loaf of French bread there, I'm very good at being like, I'm good. I'll, ha- I'll tear off a tiny piece, taste it and get my fix and I'm good. But there's the, the the intake of red meats, which can be fine, but it's consistently not gorging, but go to the breakfast after the hunt, then go to a lunch that day, then a meeting and then a dinner. And then when I'm in my routine, I'm fasting six days a week, intermittent fasting from 8 p.m. minimum to noon the next day. So that's at least 16 hours fast every day of the week, except Sundays. I usually do 12 hours. So the fasting, I see a big help with that. But if you start, if you're talking about the habits, are those good starts of the getting back on the fasting, the alcohol drying out? I see a big difference in just the way you feel drying out. And I don't want anybody on the podcast to be like, oh, they're talking about AA and this. It's not like that. It's just take, taking it out of my life for right now while I start this four to six week process of getting back to where I felt when I went into duck season. I was like, man. You saw me on the ropes. I was holding myself up, bringing my knees or my straight legs all the way up and inverting myself. I mean, I was doing really good body weight stuff and stuff I've never done before. I can't do that right now, but I will get back there. It's, it's setting those habits of taking the alcohol out, starting the fasting again, watching the diet, the caloric intake, because you haven't gained a pound. You're shredded still and you just admitted that you took four months off. Is that mainly because of nutrition? And is that a good way to start when you're not when you're getting back into it? Yeah. And I guess that's a great point that you just brought up. Um, I mean, the comp, the body composition hasn't changed much with, with me. So I, as far as being able to retain muscle, I, I did lose muscle tissue for sure. Cause that's, that's something that I have to create a stimulus for. So I did get in some pushups here and there, some single leg squats, you know, I, I, I do some body weight things in between, um, you know, zoom calls, right? So it's not like I did nothing, but certainly did not create the kind of stress that I normally do for my muscle skeletal system. So that being said, absolutely 1000% it's nutrition, 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 um, I guess I would say in recovery, right? So if I had to put an order to it, the recovery is more important, but that was for me, 
also why I didn't really want to do too much with strength training. So in other words, if I'm creating a progressive overload and a lot of stress on my system with strength or with going out with a mountain run, but I'm working over 100 hours a week, am I able to recover? I mean, not especially not not when I'm only sleeping maybe four hours some nights, right? And this is just the truth of it. This is real, right? This is my truth, okay? And 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 admitting to to people that in order to get these programs done in time, in order to serve my Olympians, and they're not my Olympians, <laughs> in order to serve Olympians better. That means I have to be available to them. That means that when they ask me for something, I've got to get it done now. And a lot of times that meant I don't have a video for it yet. So I've got to go to the gym, make a video, download it, write a description, all these things, put it into the program and have it done by the next morning at 4 a.m. when I'm talking to that person because they live in South Africa, right? So this is my point is I had to make that decision that I can't control that right now. I, I can't control my recovery as much as I would like to think I could. I just can't control it as well as I can uh, with the sleeping, but I can control what I eat. I can control what I choose to put in my mouth, right? That sounded bad, but you know what I'm saying? Okay. Food-wise. Food-wise. Food-wise, okay? The family show, I think, right? <laughs> yes, of course. So th- this is what I'm talking about is when uh, we we can sympathize, Chad. I think when I say we, you and I, we can sympathize because, I mean, you were in sick shape about a year ago. And I, and I would say, actually, I kind of peaked fitness-wise probably seven, eight months ago. You know, I ran 43 miles in the mountains. That's, for me personally, that's like what I feel like is is peaking, right? But I was also deadlifting around 400 pounds, 420, right? In there. I mean, that's not for a lot of people. There, Some people are thinking, wow, that's a lot. And some people are thinking that's not a lot. But I, was, I got down to 165 pounds when I did that. So it's not too bad. Now, what my main goal was, though, to, to challenge myself at the time was so that I could get this um, Foul Life Fitness book at the time that we were working on, I could get some real world application to tailgate training and to, you know, being out in the mountains and to know what it's like to really experience the conditioning um, and doing more and more things that were off of the tailgate, right? So I did do some things there that I challenged myself in going for um, long mountain runs that's challenging in itself, um, finding the right trails and not getting lost in the mountains on your own and things like that. But then, you know, life took over and I lost control of, of those other factors because of the things I've already mentioned. So what could I control? I could control my, my nutrition. And so I can sympathize. I think you can sympathize because it's so easy to grab that bag of potato chips, to grab the Oreos, to grab the alcohol, um, it's comforting. You know, that's they call it comfort food for a reason. And when you're stressed out and when you're, you're um, tired and your brain wants carbs, right? It desires these things and especially things that have salts and, and fats, you know, sugar. All these, these are things that our brain really desires when we're fatigued mentally fatigued, physically fatigued. Now don't, let's not forget that that includes when we don't sleep enough, right? We have to recognize that we're probably going to desire those things 
And I was able to look at that pattern starting to happen and say, okay, I, I've got to control this. This is the only thing I can control right now. So that was kind of an interesting um almost like a case study within myself where, yeah, I didn't gain body fat because I kept good control of my nutrition, even though I wasn't running at all and I wasn't strength training. So that there, that in itself, I can say confidently to clients, so much of this is calories in versus calories out. And now I've really lived it more recently to say, if you want to get leaner, it's it's about thermodynamics more than anything, right? It's about recovery, thermodynamics, right? Sleep enough, that would be something if you can control that, get in more sleep, your performance will be better 1000%. But you can't exercise a bad diet away. So you have to have good nutrition and that nutrition should be relatable to your goals. If you're not trying to get super lean, if you're not trying to get down to under 10% body fat, then you don't have to be as strict and there's really no reason why you have to cut so many things out. But I cut a lot of things out because I didn't want to gain more body fat and have to worry about um, you know taking that off as well. So I thought, okay, I'll at least control this much. So I did that right but with a person like you it's it's a little bit more part of your social aspect to you know have some uh barbecue have some beer right and i think that that's a part of your culture in in a good way in a good way i want to make sure that that's clear that's a good part of your culture and i've told you a long time uh chad i don't think that's something that i would try to completely cut out long term you can do it short term but long term no the problem is i think a lot of people that do and partake and they enjoy barbecues and they enjoy going on a hunt and having a few beers they're just not even aware sometimes of how much they're really taking in how many beers did you have how many calories did you really take in uh i'll finish with this i know this is a bit of a rant but you you're fasting you keep you you know talk about the fat i'm i'm believe i i'm the one who turned you on the fasting right okay so i just want to be clear that do i think there's any magic to fasting there's no magic to it. There's, it's not like you, you know, people will say, oh, I became fat adapted because I fasted or, or something, right? It just saves right? me calories, right? Yes, that's it. And you know that, but I'm just purposely saying no, it I know for this. people I'm, That's what I'm guessing is that I'm, I'm skipping meals. You know how bad I want to freaking get up and eat something at 6 a.m.? I'm starving when I get up. I'm starving. Like, I don't know, like, if it's even healthy to, to do that, right? But it's making me get leaner and it helps me lose weight faster to where I want to get to, to where then when I get to where I want, then I can get up and have an egg white omelet or something. I don't need to do it six days a week. I don't have to, I don't have to intermittent fast for the rest of my life. It's kind of like the Atkins diet. I was having this conversation yesterday with a girl about the Atkins diet. And I, I want you to finish your thought about fasting, but in calories, calories and saving them. But the Atkins diet is a fad to where you, you get your mind set on I can't eat lasagna. I can't eat mashed potatoes. I can't eat macaroni and cheese. I can't eat bread with butter on it when I go to a nice steakhouse. Anybody that can look at a good thing of buttered bread at, a, at, a, at the Harris Steakhouse back in the day, you're crazy if you don't take a bite of it, right? 
I don't want to ever have that mindset to where I'm never going to be able to eat my mom's lasagna again. Or Aaron, your wife comes from an Italian family. Um, you, you, you don't want to, you, you got to be able to say, I want to eat those, that sauce, that gravy, those noodles again. The, the Atkins diet was more like, as soon as you went back to eating like a normal person, you gained the weight right back because your mindset or your habits weren't changed. You weren't working out. You weren't understanding because the Atkins diet let you eat cheese, bacon, all these bad high caloric fatty foods as long as you weren't eating carbs. I'm like, there was no way that was going to work. It let you lose weight. But I saw so many people, as soon as they went back to eating normal and they said, oh man, I just lost 40 pounds. I was eating pork rinds instead of Doritos. They went right back to their normal life after they dropped the weight. They gain the weight right back because they're still not working out and they're still not changing their habits to keep them in that shape. Their metabolism hasn't changed. Their 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 mindset. Their sleep, any whether it's sleep or recovery or whatever, they gain the weight right back. Nine times out of ten, I saw that happen with the Atkins diet. With fasting, you can do the same thing if you stop. If you go into fasting and you're like, "Hey, I want to fast for the next six months and get down," but then you stop fasting and then you said, "Well, it's okay to eat donuts because I just." fasted for six. No, it's not. My, my habit is if I'm going to start eating again, I'm going to eat cleaner. I want to still stay lean, but I want better habits of eating cleaner and putting better fuel into my body. That's what intermittent fasting does for me. Because if I can train my body to go that long without any calories, and then I reward myself like six months down the road or two months down the road, and it's breakfast time, I'm going to have an avocado avocado on a piece of wheat toast, or I'm going to have an egg white omelet with some deer sausage in it, something that's healthier than eating donuts or an egg McMuffin or something like that. Even though I read a thing the other day, Matt, that said the McDonald's health, the McDonald's breakfast is pretty much their healthiest part of their menu. And that it's really that, that there's some, some health benefits to the McDonald's breakfast. I don't know if it's true or not. Surely not the hash browns, but you know what I'm saying is like the Atkins diet was a fad. Intermittent fasting could be too. If you quit doing it two months from now and just go, Oh, now, I can eat breakfast because I didn't eat breakfast for the last six months or whatever, or two months. Now I'm going to eat donuts or whatever I want. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because it trains my mind. Like I don't need all those calories. I can go. I did an unreal workout yesterday and, I'll, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit being long-winded and let you go. But that workout that Aaron put me through yesterday, there is no way that I should have done that workout on an empty stomach. Like I should have for sure had something at seven or eight in the morning before that 10 o'clock workout. I was fine. I felt fine. I ate right after it. I got home. It was 11.30, 11.45. It was my noon hour. And I put good things into my body and I recovered good. I ate some really lean meats and got recovered good from it. Feel great today. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And that's part of the thing is you have to, we have to all remember that the supplement industry, it's, it's a billion dollar industry for a reason, right? And there are some supplements that I like, right? So I just had, I have a podcast, as you know, um, it's called Relative Run Readiness. If, any, if you have any runners out there, um, we geek out on running. So that, that's the podcast. But we just had Dr. Albertson, Naomi Albertson on the podcast. Now she has a uh, supplement called Dr. Nye's. And we, we talked about how these supplements out there are just horrible. And the prior, prior, what am I saying? Not priority, prior 
prior proprietary 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 there you go proprietary blends there you go um how that's just another way of saying hey we don't we don't want to really tell you what's in here but there's a lot of fillers and a lot of things there to to save money and cut costs but also potentially to get some stimulants in there so you feel really good but really it's just like a big dose of caffeine or something right so that's something that we're we're told that we might need a pre-workout supplement or something, right? Now, my pre-workout supplement is a strong cup of coffee. That's that's about the only thing that really science has shown it works. And it's and by the way, it's super cheap, right? So, I think when it comes to what we've been told about, um, there's no way I should be able to train on an empty stomach and be able to do what I did, right? That's a lot of marketing there, too, because we want to or supplement companies want us to believe that we have to have these energy storage, these uh, maybe we have to top off our glycogen. We have to make sure that we have this right mix of things or if we don't, we're going to faint, <laughs> you know, we're, or we're just not going to have optimal performance at the very least. Right. Which the, the body's amazing. It's remarkable. And the thing is, we store plenty of energy. And if we do a proper workup and we also get adjusted and used to training and do the right progressions and we don't overload so much so soon that we don't give our body a chance to adapt, then we eventually feel like you know, energy camels, you know, we, we have plenty of energy, so not trying to compare, but I'll, I'll go run hard in the mountains for a good two hours without, uh, any gels, without any additional, you know, no bananas, nothing before or during. All right. And, and even to be honest, not, I, I'm not that always I do this, but but I don't even usually need water if it's not too hot out. Now, don't get me wrong, guys, if the conditions, the conditions are there where you need to have hydrate yourself and have water and have more glycogen if you're racing at, you know, your peak levels. I mean, those are, that's, those are different factors. I'm just saying that we have a lot of energy and a lot of hydration um, that's already within our system and ready to go. So do we really need, um, you know that electrolyte drink that we've been told we need, um, which essentially has lots of sugar and food coloring in it and things that we as consumers have told the company that we want to have if we're going to buy the product, right? So that they, uh, they have told us we need it. We have come back and told them wh what we like to have if we need this taste-wise, um, and the fact is that we, we have been misinformed and then we ourselves are to blame in the fact that we will buy a product that is sweeter oftentimes, right? So why, why are those products uh, so chock full of, of sugar? Is it because we need to load our body up with that much sugar or is it because we have become accustomed to wanting that much sugar? Our taste buds have um, have adjusted, right? What I think this this is something I think is really interesting. I don't know if you know this, but what you can look, you can research this, Google this. Um, but what we used to have in one week, um, or I'm sorry, 
in one year, rather, what we used to consume in sugar in one year, about a century ago, okay, is what we generally will consume in a week now. In one week. Individually? Yes. In one week, that's what and it was a year we would have had over the course of a year. So now tell me that our body is supposed to have that much sugar for a workout. And this was 100 years ago. Yeah, a century So there was ago. no soda. There was probably very little candy bar. There was no sugar that like raising a daughter, it's amazing what you like. You talk about forming habits and you talk about the sugar. An athletic daughter has the ability to develop the worst habits in the world because they think that they can eat whatever they want without the parent disciplining them, right? So if you're like, no, you can't have that cereal, they think that you are the world's worst, right? But I'm like, this cereal literally is is putting the worst thing possible into a 10-year-old's body when they're trying to perform, you know, and become an athlete or at least take care of their body. And then you start to see kids that start to get heavier and then even get into obesity and you wonder like those first initial steps of this sugar craze you're talking about it's all about the sugar it's all about i don't know what it is like endorphins make you want more they make you want to keep coming but there's something in mcdonald's fries or bad food that makes you crave it there truly is if you go off of sugar for a for a while until you get to the point to where you can kick it there's that part of your psyche that goes i need to go get a bite of something that has chocolate in it that's why these protein bars everybody thinks they're suffice to be of eating them but if you really look at the sugar breakdown in a lot of those and the carbohydrate breakdown in a lot of those this sugar revolution is like i look at my daughter and i'm like every single thing that you want to eat is loaded with sugar. There's even commercials on national TV right now where the, the guys are like, well, do you, what if we put your vegetables in this? And the kids are like, well, I would eat it. You know, it's like kids don't even want to eat broccoli. I love broccoli. They don't even want to touch it. It's a, it's a phenomenon, the sugar deal. No, it's, it's a problem. And I have a nine-year-old, as you know, it, it makes me uh, angry. And, but this is the thing. Uh, people listening right now with kids, we can be defensive about what kind of choices we've made as parents for our kids because it's a sensitive subject. So try to listen to this with an open mindset. But I hear all the time that, well, it's the only thing that he'll eat. Right. Right. And you see that kid eating pizza again. Right. Or you see them eating that sugary cereal again. At least he's eating something. If I'm insulting anybody, I guess you can be insulted because, you know, it's your as a parent. I think it's our responsibility to actually pay attention, to read the labels like you just said you did before you say, um, yeah, you can have that. Now, want to be very clear. My daughter is allowed to have some crap. Okay. <laughs> Can I say that crap? We're allowed to have some, you know, and I will as well. And we'll have, we'll have things that are, are just completely bad for us. And that's fine once in a while. Okay. And so I want her to know that we, we shouldn't try to be perfect. Okay. So I want to be clear about that, but it's also about educating her how, um, on a daily basis, it's not your treat time, okay? It's not Saturday night. We're not watching a movie and having ice cream or whatever. 
um, or Doritos or Oreos or whatever, whatever she wants to have during that treat time, right? It's not a treat if you're having it every day, by the way, just FYI, right? So I, I say, well, how many grams of fiber in it? If she is reading a label, right? If it's not an apple, right? Because <laughs> she can have as many apples as she wants to. And, and she, she knows that I want to see that there's more fiber than grams of sugar, right? So that's just a good general rule is have more grams of fiber than grams of sugar. So if you're buying a protein bar and it has more sugar in it than protein, <laughs> that's probably a bad sign, right? I mean, so in other words, uh, I've, I've seen a lot of these protein bars, which again, we have to remember they're trying to sell a bar. So they might be getting 17 grams of sugar and there's 10 grams of protein. Right. So we have to look at those things and I laugh, but it's, it's the, I'd say the majority of stuff out there, it's that blatant. You just have to look at the labels and realize it. So when it comes to us being used to having as much sugar in just a week that we used to have in a year, you know, that's, that's something that we have to own. And we have to look at that and realize that we can make those choices. We getting back to what we said initially is you can control that. And the fasting that you, that you like to be on the, the inner intermittent fasting, that that's just a tool that works for you. Can you do that in 10 years? Now you said, I don't know if it's healthy. If I wake up in the morning and I'm super hungry. Well, I would say if you're getting dizzy, if you're getting, you know, symptoms that that require medical attention, you know, that would be unhealthy, right? Um, and you shouldn't, in my mind, be hungry all the time. It could be on certain days. Now, I think once you get used to your calories in versus calories out, you give yourself some permission on days where you wake up hungry to have something because... It's just by the, at the end of the day, if you are taking in an adequate amount of calories, all right, so you're looking to have maybe a balance there where you're maybe 150 calories deficit of what, you're, uh, of what you normally take in so you can lose some weight incrementally. If you're at that number by the end of the day, then you will lose weight, if you are exceeding that number, if you are exceeding the number of calories that you burn a day, then you will gain weight. That's why you see people who run marathons. It cracks me up when, oh, well, you, you know, you can eat whatever you want because you run uh, marathons or because you, you know, you train lots of cardio and conditioning. No, no. Have you gone to, have you seen people in a marathon going to, it's, I, I'm proud of the fact that people are putting that goal up for themselves. Okay. But the fact is a lot of people doing a marathon have a weight to lose it, and they didn't necessarily lose the weight they thought they would in that journey. So how well does it really work to burn those calories off when you're taking in excess calories, right? So it still all comes down to that and you have to be responsible for looking at what kind of calories you're putting into your body. End of story. If you are looking at I call them power foods, vegetables, right? I mean, eat your vegetables, eat your vegetables, right? This is such a simple concept. And 
I will tell you, I have a close, dear friend of mine. I won't get into the story too closely, but that unfortunately, there's some there there's some health issues going on simply because there's not enough fiber in that kid's diet. This never used to happen, right? It's it's and the kid doesn't eat any vegetables, right? And it just kills me because I know that it's a it's it's just something that can be controlled and preventable but we have to instill these habits in ourselves and we have to live by example and more than likely just like people would say okay if my if my uh if i decided to smoke right and then i'm going to tell my kid you shouldn't smoke the odds are my kid's probably going to smoke. If I smoke, there's more likely that she would smoke, right? So I have to decide whether or not it's worth it for me to do those things, right? So if I buy these foods and bring them into the cupboards and I say, okay, well, I'm going to eat these foods. I don't want you doing that, Junior. You eat the fruits and vegetables I bought for you. I mean, come on. You know, we know that you that that is a part of it, too. So, you know, suck it up and make a decision on what's most important. But I'm not advising that people don't have some of the off, let's say, snacks, right? Uh, sweets, you know, treats, you know, have that. But make it a treat. Make it not a cheat meal, but something that you that you look forward to and that you don't hold off from yourself. Like you said, you love fries once in a while or in and out maybe when you're coming back from a race as a celebration or as a treat, but don't make it a habit of eating that kind of stuff more than, you know, once a week max, because it really is bad stuff to put into your body. But it yeah. is, but there's also the, 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 the guys that eat fast food three days a week, but they work out in the field and they're doing manual labor all day and they're burning calories. I still don't buy that putting, even though you're burning a lot of calories, you should still be putting good fuel into your body because a motorcycle is only going to run on shitty gasoline for so long and then it's going to crap out on you. Then you're going to be in the last lap of a race and you're going to be done and your coach is going to be pissed and your teams and sponsors are going to be like, well, what the hell? You were winning. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. you got to put good fuel into the system. You do. Exactly. That's where I kind of alluded to power foods, right? And fruits and vegetables, part of your power foods, but obviously good quality meats, good proteins. We're talking to a bunch of harvesters here. I know your audience definitely has uh, some some good ideas about what or how to to create a good skillet, right? With some fruits and I mean, excuse me, excuse me, some vegetables and some beef and making themselves a nice uh, skillet with some eggs in the morning or something like that, right? So <clears throat> we know that these things are going to be packed with nutrients that are going to yield us better energy output, and so absolutely that makes a difference. We can, in theory, just have. Uh, those same exact calories in sugar or in um, packaged foods, we can eat them in, in Oreos, right? If we want to and not gain weight if we haven't exceeded the calories that we're burning, but we're going to feel like poop and we're probably going to be more likely to get injured, things like this, because our body's not going to have the recovery 
that it needs. Um, it does it does require us to have quality calories for that. So um, beyond composition, obviously we want good quality calories for energy, and that means that means that we have to look at eating mainly foods that don't have labels to them, right? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Is that you like what you said about me and the apple, like? I, I, I think it's, I've been doing these green drinks, you know, after my fast is done. I told you about this green drink a while back, but it's the only thing that's in it that could be somewhat bad is literally like two and two ounces of apple juice just to get a little moisture in there because water doesn't do it for me. It's just a tiny bit of apple juice, but the rest is kale and spinach and a half of a banana and some, uh, some blueberries like it's, and it tastes awesome. And you get your greens into it. It's heart healthy. It, it helps my mindset. Like there, there's a lot of truth in the power food deal. And it's it's so weird though to see somebody that will be as picky as a lot of kids I see are now that their parents don't make them eat vegetables. I'm like, are you serious? Like you'll let her eat four macaroni and cheese sandwich or grilled cheese sandwiches, but you won't l- make her eat broccoli or things that you, you know, what are you going to do when she's 18 and she's still eating like this? That's it's crazy to me. The mindset of like, Oh, at least she's eating something or he's so picky. I'm just glad that he's eating. I'm like, no, that shit doesn't go with me. It doesn't like when I see my daughter eating, first off, she's a wild game freak. She'll eat duck and goose and deer and elk and moose. Like that's going out of style. Loves it, processes it. They were in the garage doing sausages with us the other day. Loves it, right? But vegetables, she'll look at it like, I don't know if I really like them. She wouldn't eat green salad forever. I don't know what kids in salad, like they don't like salad for some reason, a lot of them. Like I love a good, like a big ass salad at Pinocchio's or you're always talking about the big ass salad. Maybe put some protein in it. It's crazy that kids don't have that, that palate to think vegetables taste good. Uh, So that, listen, I'm cutting you off because you mentioned before, this is something I got to get out before I forget. You mentioned about McDonald's and happy meals, man. I mean, it's called happy meal, right? You you buy this, it's, it's all marketed this way. And of course our kids are watching a commercial that tells them that this, this superhero that they can't wait to go see in the movies or that they have uh, a doll for that superhero is is um eating this cereal right or this that that this cereal is in other words endorsed by by this character that they that they like and this is the problem is that we market this now the kids say to mom and dad can i have this cereal when you go into a grocery store the main aisles that sell all of this stuff is right in the center of the grocery store, right? And that is for a reason, right? So that you see that right there, right away, more likely that you're going to go and get some of that stuff because you saw it. Even if your intention was to just get the the healthy stuff, which is on the outsides, right? So these are things we have to be aware of is that it's marketed to us this way. And kids, they, they don't, a kid isn't born going, um, you know, I love sugar, you know, I, I love, I love all of these sort of super dosed, um, you know, sweetened 
packaged products that that are they're either super salty or sweet or something that that makes them really love the product right we have this happen over time and uh rob wolf actually he's um he's got a book he talks about how when we eat as much ice cream as we can, right? It's, it's something like this is when you re- eat ice cream and you keep eating, keep eating, and you can't eat ice cream anymore, right? There was like this, this contest they had. Well, to have more ice cream, what they first got to do is eat some potato chips, Okay, so you're completely saturated. Your taste buds. Wait, say that they have to eat potato chips they, because to eat more ice cream. Yes, because the salt makes them want to sweet again. Right, makes sense. Salted caramel, salted Mediterranean cheesecake. There you it's go. Like, and it tastes good together if you think about it. Like they make it to where you crave it. That's right. They make it That's to right. where you crave it. It's not a mistake. They've done their research. They know that if they um, combine these things, then maple you, syrup on 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 sausage. Yep. You know, like that was a pigs in a blanket, pancakes with all that. It was always about mixing the salt with the sugar. Right. Because our palates are meant to fatigue out when we had enough of something, even if, by the way, it's something good. Yep. Right. And we're talking about fiber in an apple. Right. right. Are you going to sit there and eat Tw- a bushel of apples, right? Are you going to eat a bucket full of apples? No, you're going to, the fiber is going to end up filling up your stomach, right? So let's just take all the fiber out. <laughs> right? And you mentioned before, like uh, I have just a couple ounces of apple juice and that's the only bad part. That's, you know, that's not a bad part. You you should have a couple ounces of of actual apple juice. Look at all the fiber that you have in that green drink you're talking about, yeah. right? So it's not a bad thing. It's it's just that it's bad to take out all the fiber and just and just use the sugar, right? So this is something again that we we want to be aware of. Um, geez, I didn't I didn't even plan on talking about this stuff to this level, but I hope that helps people out. It's just these are things that work for me and and it does get I get really frustrated when people are talking to me about the newest diet that they're on and the newest plan that they're doing because it's just that's the thing is it's it's can you keep doing it can you keep up with this diet right and I can tell you that sometimes it's the fitness part of the plan I don't like, or it's the diet part of the plan I don't like, or it's a combination of those things. But what I don't like is the fact that it's not sustainable. And I, that's what makes me feel for that person. And I do. I feel for that person. I'm saying, why, why can't we just lose weight incrementally, okay? Because usually it's about losing weight, right? Why can't we do that? Why, why do we need to lose 30 pounds in 30 days? Because again, it's been marketed and shame on the fitness industry too, by the way, okay? And I'll say this flat out. I hate it when people call me a personal trainer. Sorry, no offense. But that to me, a lot of times it it puts me in this almost like flashback and this mindset of a personal trainer who's telling their clients that they should have fat burners or that the the training session they're doing that day, this is a fat burning training session, right? 
And it's like, come on, man. Okay. This is you. This is about incremental improvement over time. Your body will adapt to stress. Okay. And we're meant to do things consistently. Stop trying to lose the weight in 10 days. Stop trying to do the workout that has the max benefits. Okay. Because it's not about that. I'm here to tell everyone, I, I promise you, it's not about that. Okay. And that's, I'm not trying to sell anything by the way. So I guess that's why I can say these things, right? But it's, but it's the, it need the truth needs to, you, Frank Thomas, you know, athlete, world-class athlete, University of Auburn went on to play, you know, he was tied in in the football team. Then he went on to play for the Chicago White Sox, hitting home runs, becomes a multimillionaire. He was always a little bit pudgy. He was never Bo Jackson-esque. Bo Jackson's even pudgy now in his late, in his mid fifties, but, um, the first commercial you see most nights and when you're watching TV is this little white guy walks in the gym and he's in his forties and he sees Frank Thomas like, Oh my God, Frank Thomas, the heavy hitter. You're or you know, his nickname was the big hurt. You look so good. And the first thing they do is they say, well, I'm on this cryogenic something from GNC. And I'm like, dude, you could take that stuff till you're blue in the face unless you understand what we've been talking about with the calories and the habits and the working out and not a fat burning, not a fat burning, working out, et cetera. It's like, I look at that and I'm like, what are you really trying to sell to people? You want them to make this, just this quick decision, this quick twitch decision of like, oh, I'm going to spend that because I want to look good. The reason I say that is because you just use the word sustainable. Well, when I was, when I was 15 and I would look at my dad and I'm not in my dad's rest in peace. I love the man to death. I look at my uncle. I would look at the people around my dad. I would have never thought that when you got in your 40s or 50s that you could look like the way you look or the way that I'm starting to look again or the way that Ricky Revilio looks, right? You would have that's not sustainable for most people. So the mindset when you start to get into your late 30s, mid 30s, late 30s, 40s, you're like, can I really sustain it? Why do I even want to work out? I can't even sustain. I'm not going to be able to ever look good. I'm not going to be able to ever get in that good of shape. And the real answer is you can, it's, this is the time we're living in the golden years of our bodies, our life expectancy. If you treat yourself right. And I know that accidents happen and I know that there is a such thing called genetics, but I've, I've been checking my blood pressure. I've been watching my cholesterol. My body is in unbelievable shape in those ways where my family genetics would tell you there's no way it would be. But because of a better diet, because of working out, because of a better mindset, you can control some of that stuff and change the path of your genetics. And that word sustainable is, yes, you can. If you want to look like Matt Pendola or Rick Revilio or somebody that can keep going 50, 60, 70 years of life, just look at what it can do. We're doing it. There's people that are doing it. So that mindset of, I can't sustain that. I can't keep going. I'm too tired. What's the first step? How do I even get started? You just got to do it. It's attainable. It's sustainable. You can sustain that lifestyle if you just start forming little tiny habits and sticking to them. You truly can. And not watching that commercial and going, oh, that's what I need to do when I'm 45 is take that pill. Because that taking that pill isn't going to do shit. It might help you get a little bit of a head start, may, make you wake you up a little bit, or get your metabolism going. So I don't even know what they're telling, what they're made to do. I really don't. But you have to put in the work. That's the bottom line. If I felt worse yesterday when I got done with that workout, I told, I looked at your wife and I went, "I'm going to throw up all over your parking lot." But 20 minutes later, I felt like Superman, and I felt awesome this morning. 
I really did. And if you're not willing to go put in the work, you're not going to be Dan Hendo. You're not going to be you're not going to be, you're not going to be these guys. These guys are putting in six, eight, 10 hours a day in a gym. You don't have to do that, but you can't reach what they look like without putting in some type of work. You're just not going to do it. But Randy Couture, when he was in his forties, looked great because he trained hard. He trained hard. I, he was called the natural. You can do it. You really can look good and sustain that lifestyle and that health for later, later years in life. When I was a kid, I never thought it, it was possible. Truly never did. I thought you died when you were 50. But now you can literally look ripped up and shredded and in shape for late. Les is 80 years old and he looks freaking good. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We just we just had our dear friend Les's birthday and he turned 80. He started training and... Pendola training before it was Pendola training. He was with me. He was my first client ever here in Reno. And, um, and really I would say my first client technical client ever. That's when I switched over from a hot shotting career to, uh, to a career in, in fitness and, and deciding that was all I was going to do. That was 21 years ago, unless is the first guy to give me a shot at training him. So He's amazing and it's just consistency and he, uh, he definitely lives the part. And I'll tell you all these things you're talking about, if you doubt it at all, you just, you could say, okay, let me look at these people that they have quote unquote good genetics. Cause people would say less has good genetics, right? Look closer at his lifestyle. Look closer at his habits and be honest with yourself. Do I live that way? Because that man is disciplined. So disciplined. Right. And we'll I look go, we'll up, go, he's I'm so disciplined, I look up to him. I do too. We'll go, to, we'll go, we'll, we're 30 years, 35 years younger than the man. And we'll go to lunch and he'll get a salad with no dressing on it with just a chicken breast. Yeah. And by the way, stop, stop fooling yourself and saying that I just want to live life and have fun. So I'm not going to be, I don't care about this stuff. I'm just, it's, that's no fun. You know, if, if. Having fun means that you've got to eat crap and drink all the time. I mean, come on. Let's be no, honest. Like, that's not fun. No. And one day you're going to end because, by the way, if you think that I have good genetics, look at the rest of my family. No offense, because they probably won't listen ever anyways. But you look at my father and the man's a train wreck. OK. Um, and and I, I say that just in truth. OK. I know it's blunt, but it's in truth. OK. He's. He's probably not going to make it till I doubt uh, till 70. I really highly doubt it. The man has trashed his body and he said his whole life, I'm going to drink as much as I want to. I'm going to smoke as much as I want to. I'm not going to worry about this running and the working out and all this stuff. And I mean, he literally used to give me a hard time about doing these. It's not like I was encouraged to do these things. I'm not really sure why I did these things, but all I know is that I'm glad I did because he planned on being gone by now, right? He's like, I'm just going to live life to the fullest, fullest, and then I'll be dead by the time I'm 60. And you know what? For a reason, because the average male in my family, the last three generations, didn't make it to 60. That's true. So he just thought, you know, I'll die by the time I'm 60 for sure. I won't have to Can't deal with it. Can't change it, right? Right. That's not right. Well, guess what? He's 68 now, and he's been having to deal with his health for a good decade or so, and maybe another decade to and come. Be, and, and uncomfortable no every day. Yeah, exactly. Who wants to live that way? So, and 
And and I would say, let's not forget that, you know, people saying, "Let I just want to enjoy my life now. How, how good do, does it feel when you have a huge hangover and you have to recover from that? How much are you enjoying life now, right? Or how much are you enjoying life when you're eating the, the foods that take away from your energy every day and don't give energy back, right? The whole yin and yang, right? Homeostasis, just keep your body in balance because now you're feeling like crap until you have more crap. Is that any, is that you're going to really tell me that that is a great way to to live and you're just enjoying your life no you're not and you're not enjoying looking in the mirror either by the way you're not enjoying the fact that that girl over there is not looking at you sorry and you can't play with your kids you can't swim with them you can't throw them up in the air you can't keep up with them there's a lot of downfalls to an unhealthy lifestyle i was on the phone today i was i if people watch our shows and heard this podcast before, I've had a man named John LaMonaco on here. And I was with him on his 89th birthday. Well, he turned 90 this, year, this last year. I was with him in 89 and in, in 2019. He turned 90 in 2020. I hadn't heard from him. Like, that's weird. John always returns a text. Well, 28 days, he was in the hospital. To the point, he told me this whole story today. I got, I was tearing up. I was like, holy, he goes, I had to call in all the kids and the grandkids. The doctor said I wasn't going to make it. Um, and I swear to God, this is all true. What I'm getting ready to say, he says, I called them all in. His sons all got master's degrees in med school. I mean, they're all high end surgeons and doctors and pediatricians, pediatric surgeons and stuff. His daughters are all very successful. Well, they all went in to say bye to dad, 90 years old. This guy's hunted in 37 countries. He's made a lifestyle for himself through hard work and grit. He talks about grit all the time, which we have to do another podcast on grit because I love that word. Um, 28 days, said he couldn't move six inches. If he needed to take a drink, he had to put the cup to his face with two hands, very slow. Um, called his family in. The doctor, the doctor started to see signs of him coming out. He was starting to get healthy. They're like, in his exact words, the doctor's exact words and his sons were, if you were a smoker, if you didn't take care of your body nutritionally and working out, this guy's in shape. I'll tell this. I'll tell that story. I'll finish that in a second. When I went to Montana with him in 2019, he says, let's go on a hike. So Alyssa and I and my brothers and we all get geared up. We go up to this lake called Lake Como, which is the real Lake Como's in Northern Italy. This Lake Como's in Montana. And it looks just like Lake Como in Italy, just not as big. He goes, this hike's going to be seven and a half miles. We're going to go up to these waterfalls. He says, Chad, if you don't mind, I'll lead. He's a real polite, soft. He goes, Chad, if you don't mind, I'll lead. I was like, shit, this is going to take all day. We're going to be freaking just, dude, he grabbed his walking stick. And I'm talking uneven ground. It wasn't just a, it wasn't just a blacktop, you know, paved path. It was uneven ground, jumping over creeks. This guy's skipping and jumping over creeks at 89 years old. We were keeping up with him. And I was like, wow. So, Back to the other story, the doctor said, if you didn't live a healthy lifestyle, you were going to hospice. You were going to hospice. They were, he was done. They were literally taking him to the hospice is pretty much a deathbed, right? That's where you go when it's done. And people just give you the meds to keep you out of pain until you pass. John goes, Chad, I almost bought the farm. I almost bought the farm. And so this is the best part. He goes today. So you're Chad, saying though, the doctor kept him under his care because he, he earned the right to, to well, do no, that. When he saw him coming out of it. He yeah. says, John, if you weren't coming out, he goes, nobody thought you were coming out of this. You, you literally called in your family. But when his family came in there, his son had to sit him down and go, dad, the doctors just told me that you have less than 48 hours. Yep. John goes, Chad, he goes, or John goes, Chad, when I heard that, he goes, all I could do was cry. He goes, I don't want to die. 
I go, fuck, John, you're 90 years old. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. He can't earned the it. right to do that. Yeah. He put in all those layers in the years to be able to pull himself out of that with the why. With the why. And the doctor said, if you weren't in the shape you're in, you would have been in hospice on your deathbed. He had 48 hours to live. His son told him, the doctors just it. told us you have 48 hours. He said today, he woke up today in Montana, at his home in Montana, and he picked up a 20-gauge shotgun over-under, and he did curls, one-arm curls with it. He goes, Chad, I did 20 each arm. He goes, Chad, I'm going to be able to hunt again this year. He literally got off the phone telling me that we're going to meet in Wyoming in December to do a goose hunt together. I go, you're going to be 91 by then. He goes, I can't wait. He was dead. So my point was, is that people that don't think they can be living life at 90, this guy's 90 and he just did curls with his gun today. He says, I'm going to live forever. That What a better way to be. It's never over. As long as you got your wits to you and your mental capabilities, you can, your body, like you said earlier, your body's an amazing thing that can recover. It can adapt. It can get over injury. People break their backs and come back from it. They break their legs and chase outlaw. My buddy in the PBR broke 37 bones in his face and he's back riding bulls four weeks later. It's crazy to see what can happen. I got a, I got a, a documentary for you to watch too. It's called Unchained. And it's a lot of the guys that I talk with, I'm getting off subject here a second, but I want you to keep your thought. A lot of the X gamers that I deal with, David Wise, or a bunch of these guys that skateboard and snowboard and stuff, they say that 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 motocross racers are the best athletes in the world because their heart rate's elevated, their body, their mass, their balance, their core strength, their all their all their upper body strength that they got to keep to keep the motorcycle up. And for that, those that period of time, their heart rate's at 180 for like 30 laps and they can stay in shape and keep their breathing down. And we're, we're going to have another podcast to talk about breathing because of how important it is, but you need to watch this documentary called unchained. And there's, there's times in that thing in do, in the documentary that these motocross racers and jumpers talk about coming back about thinking they were dying because of their injuries and how being in good shape, let them recover. Their bodies were in such good shape and they had such a mindful approach to their workouts. They're training all the time that they were able to come back from injuries that would have put the average man on his, you know, on his back for good, right? You got to watch it. It's called Unchained on Netflix. It's the story of how the, the, the motocross, the jumpers and stuff, how that was spawned and born out of motorcycle racing. But they're, they're amazing freaking athletes. Amazing. But John LaMonico... 90 years old, on his deathbed, 48 hours to live, comes out of it. And the doctor says, if you weren't in such good shape, you would have been in hospice. It just shows you right there. No, yeah. So I hope that people take out of this the right things. If you feel like you can get something out of this and use some of this, then that's my hope is that you take bits and pieces and you make it work for you because there's pieces in the puzzle here that matter and that equal that scene that you want to create for yourself. And that's the thing. It's your own process. It's your own story. Some of these pieces are more relevant to you than other pieces. But I, I'm going to say this when it comes to the athletes that I that I specialize with now in in my career, I just constantly hear about how, you know, they have great genetics, right? And they have just unbelievable talent. And they do. They do have attributes that us mere mortals a lot of times don't have. But so do, especially with the world population the way it is, so do maybe thousands of others that they beat out. 
right? So, you know, the, the fact that these athletes have separated themselves amongst the, the blessed genetic pool means that they've learned something that the rest of us can take from that experience. And that's where I look again at the habits that they've created, the discipline. But I want to point out that you do not have to have those very special attributes in order to reach our to reach your goals okay if you have an olympic medal goal you want to be a gold medalist maybe that would be the exception to that rule at the very very top most elite level but most of us mere mortals are, we're going to be really ecstatic that we can just feel better move better look good you know, feel proud of what we're able to accomplish on a daily basis to provide for our families, to play with our kids, to be a good role model, to be a good person, to contribute to the community. You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look good in the mirror, etc. But it's you, you do not need any extremes to get those things. And that's, that's my pet peeve about those things. Stop acting like it's so hard to get these benefits. It's not. It, it takes about 80%. And that's all that we really need, right? You don't need all this extreme discipline. No, right? you don't need any of it. No. I mean, you, you need to have, well, I think you need to have some, some good habits, but long term. So that's what I keep saying. Like I have, yeah, but that's more, not extreme. No, you don't need any of the extreme stuff. No, you don't. You don't need six hours in the gym with, with, with Chad Mendez to get a six pack. No, you really don't. You don't. I bet you, I've heard you talk to me about some of these Olympians you work with. They have some of the same issues that I've had, whether it's with their foot or their arches or their muscles or their hamstring tightness. They're not God. They're just they're putting in the time and they work harder and they excelled in something because they're badass athletes. But the main thing is that they, even with the best athletic ability in the world, if you don't have the focus and the discipline to do it and apply yourself, which is we're talking about a mere mortal of like you or me of somebody's being able to say, all I got to do is 80% of this and, and watch what I put in my body a little bit work out a bit, go on a walk in the morning, 20 minutes, and then increase that a little bit and then do that four days a week maybe and be consistent with it. And don't drink beer every night and don't wake up with a hangover every morning. Don't be dehydrated. Don't be exhausted. Get some better sleep habits. That shit's easy. Right. It's hard to do what they do, but they're willing to put in that time to stand on that podium and put that gold medal and hear the national anthem with them on that gold, gold medal podium. Put the UFC championship belt around you. If you're willing to do that and you have the fight talent to do it, then do it. But those guys are on a different level of discipline to be able to even get to that level. It's not just going in there and being able to knock somebody out or ski down a hill or run 26 miles. Because there's a lot of people that have finished the Boston Marathon or the New York Marathon, but they can't go win an Olympic gold medal. Right. And I'll, and I'll tell you the difference there, too, is at least from my personal experience working with all different levels of athletes, yes, now at this point in my career, I'm able to, to have some Olympians in the stable, which is fantastic. But most of the athletes I've worked with, they were age groupers. Um, I think a lot of them were pretty serious or disciplined, but I tell you that 80% only really required, let's say, at most – maybe five hours, six hours in a week. Now, 
to get to 90%, now you might be talking about 12 hours of a week of training, I'm saying here. To get from 90% to about 93%, now you're just like getting to that top, top level, which because a lot of Olympians, they're trying to get to 100%, but it's almost impossible. Like some of them can walk that line very briefly and probably none of them have actually reached 100%, right? And they're now committed to 25%. 30 hours a week of training, even with the rest of their week, completely committed and driven around recovery. So to get that last 5% out of yourself, that takes a lot more. But that's the thing that drives me a little bit crazy is people talk uh, to me like what I've done is extreme. I don't work out hours a day. I, I have a business to run. I have a family to take care of. When I get done with this, I'm going home to play chess with my daughter and we'll walk in the canyon at sunset for a little bit. And that's what I'm doing, right? But I have the discipline to get up at four o'clock every morning, get to my facility and start my day so that I can do those things. It does not take extreme efforts. It takes some discipline and consistency to do these things. And I'll finish with this. When I was in my 20s, I was I did a little bit of I did a little bit of fitness, I did a little bit of modeling like mid 20s, okay? So what I did is I went to the extremes to get ready for the photos, right? And I trained my butt off and I dieted down and I got really, you know, shredded and stuff and I I held a certain composition for the pictures for that day and then it was over and then I gained 10% body fat because I had gone to such extremes. I would go from 5% body fat to 15% body fat because I just could not stand being away from carbs any longer, right? And then when I got into my 30s, I got a little smarter and I also wasn't trying to get, I guess, you know, onto a magazine. And so I just started to do things more consistently. And the funny part is in now being almost 50, I walk around year round at a lower body fat than I ever did in my 20s, but I don't now buy into the BS about you need to have this many grams of protein a day. You need to have, you know, I used to think that if if I didn't, if I was just eating protein, Chad, that I wasn't going to gain any weight as long as it was protein. I mean, that's how little I understood back then about nutrients, about calories, right? So I'm taking in extra calories and thinking for some magical reason, it doesn't get me to gain weight. And then I'm still gaining more fat than I want to on my body. Even being disciplined, I had misunderstandings. So I'm drinking protein powders before bed and it's an excess of calories that I burned that day, right? So I made it that much harder on myself. So why am I saying all that stuff? Because you can learn these simple things are not hard to understand about calories in versus calories out, about consistency, about moderation, and just about being able to do this stuff every day. If you train so hard, like I used to, that I couldn't walk for three days, right? I could barely cop a squat, right? I I used to honor that. Like it was some kind of huge, like, you know, thumping, like I'm, I've, I really deserve this because I'm going to the extreme. 
games. I didn't train as consistently because I was too sore or even if I could manage to train, my body was too broken down and I would injure myself or I just couldn't do much along the lines of recovery and my body wasn't responding. So I would just plateau. Now I go much more consistent, but more moderation in my training and I can get, I'm getting stronger all the time. I'm getting, feeling better energy all the time, right? So this is something that I have uh, understood about the process. And it just took me years and years to, to understand that it really is about frequency, frequently stressing our bodies in the appropriate ways. You said before that getting back into this training with Aaron and thankfully she, my wife, Aaron, she's been able to take you guys back on with this Olympic year. It just, uh, it was so hard for me to even, uh, figure out where I could get any other clients into the gym. So, um, she was, she was putting together a program for you. You felt like you wanted to throw up by the end of it. That's lactate, right? That's that your your lactate threshold has not been challenged in a while. No, and I would have killed that workout four months ago. That's right. And that's all it, it is, is the brain telling the body, okay, look, it's okay um, because I understand this because it's, I've been doing this. When your brain understands that your body's not being poisoned, that it's just recycled energy, it'll allow it to happen more and more again. And it'll come faster back because you've done it before. Promise. Yes, promise. <laughs> and that's the process, but the, the 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 idea is that you do it just often enough to that level that you are getting appropriate stress, right? So, final story here, and then I think I should be uh, I should be out so that you can you can end the podcast. But the 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 racehorse story is what I think is really interesting here. Racehorses were coming up lame and you're, you know, these racehorses can cost, um, you know, they're worth a million dollars or more, right? Yeah. You don't want to come up lame. Right. And, and I mean the trainers and the facilities and everything. So they were training these racehorses to exhaustion and finding out that these horses would just not even eat anymore. Right. So they would say, okay, this horse won't eat anymore. So we have to let the horse rest a little bit more. Right. So they say, okay, so we're going to do work, rest, work, rest. Sound familiar? Like work hard on Monday, rest, work hard on Wednesday. Okay. Then their horses got faster. All right. But then there was a tipping point and the horses weren't getting that much faster. So then they said, okay, what if we went just kind of like moderately hard but not easy on Tuesdays. Now that's the way a lot of Americans trained, and that's why we got our butt kicks in a lot of uh, kicked in a lot of endurance sports, especially. And these horses were coming up lame again. So then they finally figured out, okay, if we give them at least forty eight hours recovery, all right, and generally speaking, like train them hard on Monday, but Tuesday, Wednesday, we're talking about easy, 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 low heart rate stuff, then train them hard on Thursday. We got it. We'll see what happens with that. The horses got faster. They had less injuries and there was a higher level 
for performance. Really? Yes. So we have, it's all about money, Chad, right? If we've talked about this episode, right? It's all about marketing and money. Well, these guys didn't want to lose their money with horses anymore. They figured out what worked. And that is what influenced our training today. The way that we train people now today is based off of essentially racehorses, right? So do you want to be, uh, do you want to come up lame or do you want to be an elite uh, level racehorse? Because this whole thing about grinding it out every single day and having to go to extremes all the time, it's nonsense. The reason why I'm able to hold uh, a higher performance level and have a lower body fat is because I'm not overly stressing my body constantly and because I'm prioritizing sleep and nutrition, of course, but also because I can tell you right now, Monday is my hard day. Thursday is my hard day. That's it. Those are my hard days. My other days are easy and I have no problems with that because I have the results. It makes total sense. And there is a way to apply that mindset. I'll end it by saying this. We are going to come back with a couple more episodes. One is going to be a guy, uh, the different body types. My body type is different than Matt Pendola's. If you saw pictures of Matt Pendola when he was 16, you wouldn't believe what he looks like now. And there, there's endomorphs, there's ectomorphs. There's a lot of different types of bodies that is it possible for a guy that's built like me to get the 10% body fat? I don't know. Is there a reason for that kind of a mindset unless you really need it? Or is it about the value of life, the comfort of life and being able to do what you want to do and living a long time like we touched about today? There's all different reasons to work out and get on the right regimen. So I want to talk about that in one. And then I really want to have one I think I want to do one on the Foul Life podcast about working out and breathing because of how important breathing is to what we do in hunting. So we're going to come back with a couple more Matt Pandola episodes right here at This Life Ain't For Everybody in the Foul Life podcast. But you can apply what you just said to a lot of things in life. Take your foot off the gas a little bit and don't always think you got to go full bore, full throttle on everything. We could talk about this in relationships. You could talk about this in fatherhood, motherhood. Sometimes it's easier to relax and just let things happen. And you don't have to do a workout or stay on somebody every hour of every day. If you let things happen the natural way or the natural progression, good things can come about with it. And if you don't push your body to the extremes every day and you get the right amount of rest and you put the right type of fuel into it, then good things are going to come out of that. You're walking proof of that. You just talked about it. So I think that there's a whole discussion based on do you always have to be on the gas? It's it's good to let things happen. If you like a girl, let it happen. If you want a good kid, let it happen. Show them the right way, but you don't need to just micromanage every step. If you have good employees, let them be creative. Let them think outside the box and be unorthodox. Don't think that they got to be having you over their shoulder all the time. There's a lot that goes into that. And even in working out, if you just let it happen and do the things that you do and do it right and be consistent with that, you don't have to go seven days a week and completely destroy yourself to where, like you said, you're walking around, you can't cop a squat you're sore all the time, but you're pumping your chest because you're like, look what I just did in the gym, but you can't move for the next four days. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I uh, will just tell people if you're interested uh, in better, I think maybe let's say more consistent training program, then you can check out our relative run readiness. Our podcast will talk about running but the actual programming that we have, first of all, we go through a self-assessment that you can do online and 
depending on where you find optimal or non-optimal or less optimal positions, the test guides you through it. You now have a protocol to increase your mobility, stability, that equals ability, so that you have a better opportunity to go through training progressions and select movements that are not only more optimal for you, but you're more likely to be able to consistently continue with a program without having uh, the risk of injuries and the opportunities will be there more. So you can check out what's called our relative run readiness program. You can go to our website, pendolatraining.com, check it out there. And for those, and that's 25 bucks a month, by the way, but the first two weeks are free. So even though I want to make sure we say, even though it's running is my passion, our relative run readiness is about locomotion, is about, in other words, putting one foot in front of the other. So hunting, hiking, uh, just going to the grocery store, this training is just relative to all of our needs. And that's, and, and, and that's the, uh, honestly, the niche part of it is because I'm known for working with runners that we call it relative run readiness. But the fact is that it's really just a good overall program for the human body and our biomechanics. Now, the other thing I would say that my wife, Erin, who now is your trainer, she works um, also, you can contact her in our site, on our website. She works with her own online program that she now has specifically designed for each individual person. And the cost of that depends on how much uh, you need from her, how much time you need from her, but it generally would start a little bit more, a little higher, a hundred dollars a month and up because it's more personalized for you specifically where she's actually talking to you, figuring out what you need in your program, each progression and writing it up for you and putting it onto our Pendola uh, project app, which is something that she sends to you and it's right on your phone and you follow the program. So we have programs out there. I uh, don't like the sales part of they things, need it. but we, need it. People we have need to, to get do- on PendolaTraining.com. Yeah. Yeah. Get on there, get with Aaron. If you want a personalized program, get the $25 a month program, get started, get moving, but do it right and stay consistent with it. I'm so glad we had this talk today. We will be back with Matt Pendola, Pendola training very soon. That was awesome. I like that. I want to go do some chaos squats. I like chaos. Yeah. This chaos training. I don't need a whole lot of more chaos in my life. (laughs) I need some relaxation. That's this life ain't for everybody podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading and subscribing. Thank you for telling your friends and family. We are so blessed to have the downloads that we've gotten. It's amazing to see it happening. We've worked hard at it. Hopefully we continue to be diverse with our guests and our topics And you guys and girls are enjoying them. If you want to hear anything specifically or have a guest idea, check us out. Hit us up. Info at thislifeaintforeverybody.com. You can find us on Instagram at thislifeaintforeverybody, at the Foul Life TV. And you can get us on any of our social media platforms or through those emails I just mentioned. We are going to leave you with a song today that is called... What you going to do when the money's all gone? It's sang by my good buddy, Leith Lofton. It was written by Leith Lofton and my other good buddy, Drake White. Y'all enjoy that, Matt. Thank you very much. Any closing words? No, thanks for having me. It's an honor and hope to be back again. Oh, yeah. You're going to be back again. Trust me. Tom, Jake, hit that button. 
Peace. I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul. Life on earth won't last too long. So what you gonna do when the money's all gone? I'd rather be poor living off in a hole.